This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Today, we have the whole team. Uh, well, I don't know if it's the whole team, but we'll ask about that. We have a number of members from this team uh, behind the new game coming out called Battle Cry of Freedom. Thanks for joining, everyone. Hello. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm I'm glad you could be here. Um, before we talk about you know the company, before we talk about the game, let's start with uh, you, the three individuals that I have on the call, because I always like to actually get to know the people behind these. You put in a lot of love and care into these games. It's only fair that people know who the hell you are, right? Um, let's go down the order uh, of who I'm talking with today. Hello, I'm uh, Maxim. I'm uh, from the Netherlands, and I'm the main programmer behind the new game. Uh, hey, I'm Vlad, I'm from Ukraine, and I'm main 3D artist for Battlecry Freedom. Hi there, I am Nico, and I'm the environment artist and sound designer for Battlecry Freedom. That's awesome. Well, welcome again to the show. Uh, the first question I, I always like to ask is really how you got into game creation. But before I go into that, I just want to know, because you are all in you know different areas of the world right how did how did the team meet how did you all uh end up working on this project together and that might be kind of some of the background of game creation all right well i, I think um, our origins all come from mod development so i was just a normal programmer uh, finishing university and i was just always into games and i just managed to hit up on a game called mountain blade at the time mm -hmm. And I was, it was so easy to mod this game. You could change the code. You could do anything you wanted to. And I just rolled into a Nocturnic mod, with, uh, which already had people working on it, which is actually yeah. the two guys just sitting here. Um, and they were making amazing things and just needed a programmer last minute because they were supposed to release something. So I just decided to help them. And I don't know what happened to the time, but now we're having... Modern Blade and the Punk Wars official expansion and now a new game. <laughs> um, all right. So in my case, uh, I was actually working in Ministry of Foreign Affairs back in 2009. Wow. And I was playing a lot of Mountain Blade at that point. And I also been really interested in Napoleonic Wars for, well, since childhood, really. And, and then I've noticed this, this mod was called Mountain Musket back in the day. Uh, it was really nice, a bit chaotic, and I thought, you know, they might need some better, better art. And I myself was always also painting, finished in art school, this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just wrote them a, a message on Tailwords forums. Tailwords are developers of Mountain Blade. Uh, like, hey, you have a nice mod, I'd like to take part. Is there any task for me? And they gave me a task, and yeah. Then we did a mum. Uh, Mountain Musky did really well. And then Maxim here joined as well, and we did an W, and that's how it all started. Wow, that's that's an interesting origin story. Um, I I think that uh, you know it's one thing to obviously create those mods, and that takes a lot of work, but then to actually say like we want to create our own company, we want to start working on our own game. What was it that really pushed 
all of you over that edge and and that tipping point that caused you to say, you know what, let's let's all do this together. We can create something of our own, right? Like I, I think for us, it was the moment when we started to work almost full time next to our studies or other things on on this mod, and it was getting so good and so much attention also from different communities and players in that game that I just maybe my business sense took over. I just contacted the main developers of that product and said like. You know, guys, we could make this a real game. What do you think? <laughs> and I just talked to them at some meetings, had some meetings with Paradox at the time because they were the main publisher. And they were all like, all right, why not? If you can make it, we can publish it. So yeah. I, I was maybe maybe good at talking at the time, but it was more luck than anything else. <laughs> that seems to be a common theme with a lot of these developers that I've been talking to as of late of saying, you know, like, there's a lot of work that goes into this, but also it's just kind of being in the right place at the right time in some cases. Oh yeah, definitely. Like at the time, I remember I was just uh, having constant contact with like their main programmers in that game because I was just going into their code, even compiled code and just told them, yeah, the bug is there and you should fix it that, like that. So they had, <laughs> they had like, okay, um, this guy knows what he's doing. So that helped, but I think it's, like you said, it's just luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, does anyone else want to add any uh, flavor to that? Well, adding on to the luck thing is we started working on this on this project with Tailwords together. And at some point, they actually canceled us during development. Wow. And we had to spend a whole week convincing them, well, actually, you know, this is a good thing and we should continue doing this. And eventually we managed to convince them somehow. But if we hadn't done that, I think, uh, yeah we wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm glad you are, because uh, we're about to have, I'm hoping, a really great discussion about a game that most people will be very excited about. But um, before we dive into that, I want to just dive a little bit deeper into the idea of taking a mod and becoming you know, a fully-fledged game, right? Or creating a fully-fledged game after working on that. Was there anything that you know you looked at that development of the mod and creating that game and then going from turning this into what is now battle cry of freedom what element were you perhaps not expecting as far as you know those those struggles or those uh things that you didn't think about before diving into your own product right i think the the biggest mistake we made we put very high goals on ourselves like we had this idea okay we used the mountain blade engine before and it had limitations, for instance, on player count. Like you could only have like 200 players. So I had this in my mind. Okay, I want to double it. No, I want to have 500 players in one server. So mm -hmm. I spent probably like a year just writing nothing more than a network engine. Right. It works. I mean, we have 500 players right now in, in one game server. Uh, but uh, those kind of things as an indie developer, we just put like these giant goals into it. And now we're like, I don't know, eight years later or something. And... The game is coming out. I'm super happy, but it took a lot of work. Wow. Yeah. That's, I don't that's... know. Like, Vlad probably have the same issues. <laughs> uh, well, generally, two points here. One is to confirm what you said, definitely. Uh, we always had this when, uh, you know, you really want to make an attack helicopter, but if you want to make an attack helicopter, first you need to make a skate, and then you need to make a bicycle, and then you need to make a car. Mm -hmm. And we're one of those teams that always try to uh, always try to make an attack helicopter from the start, which is why it takes time and resources. This was the 
first thing that we made mistake with, I think. And the second thing that I personally didn't expect is, uh, well, the amount of actual game design making your own game takes. Because if you if you mod something, and even if you do um, a DLC for something for an existing game, you know, all the framework, all the infrastructure is already there. Right. Uh, all the game modes are there. Uh, all the classes are there. You see how, for instance, in terms of modeling, how the troops are made, how weapons are made. You just need to make your own stuff and, you know, put them in those slots and, like, you're done. It's fine. But right, when, you, right. when you make your own thing, it's all from zero. You need to come up with everything. From simplest points to more complicated systems like unit customization system how does it work where are the limits like where should you stop and you really don't know as decisions you need to make and that was very complicated for me personally yeah i can imagine it's i wouldn't say it's it's easier uh necessarily like because i don't want to you know uh make it sound like modding is an easy thing there's obviously a lot of hard work and, and dedication that goes into it but it is much different having to start from scratch and saying that there is no you know underlying framework that you get to just build on top of um i i believe looking at your website that you mentioned it was initially four members who were working on the mods uh, that you know ended up coming to the team. Uh, how many are, are part of the team now working on this? Well, actually, like uh, the team mostly stayed together. One of the guys uh, quit because he had different business prospects or ideas what we should what he should do in his life. Um, gotcha. But actually, we just kind of replaced him with another person doing the same kind of work. So in the end, we're still four guys. Three guys okay. stayed from the beginning till now. Wow. All right. And and you mentioned uh, eight years. Is that how long you've been working on it? Was this like a you know, full-time, part-time? Like, are you doing this on the side of you know, a, 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 a nine-to-five type job? Or is this like your main focus? Like, this is definitely main focus for us and full-time. There have been some down moments and we also spend a lot of time still supporting our previous uh, title. But mm-hmm. now, I think the last two, three years has just been constant work. <laughs> gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Uh, Absolutely. Some of us had little side projects as well, but we always knew that Battlecraft Creative Freedom is our main thing that we want to release as our large project. Gotcha. Gotcha. And and you would say that for the most part, it's been like an eight years in the making? For the most part, yes, I, I would say so. Wow. It's a it's a good amount of time to be working on a project. I, I'm sure you must feel so excited to be, you know, seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> I think we're mostly like a bit scared and not really believing it's actually the end. Because we also know like, okay, you bring it out, you, you put it on the market, you have to keep supporting it and you have to mm-hmm. do all those other things. So it's actually just another milestone for us, I think. Right, well, right. Of course. And it's not like we, we have to do it. We also really want to do it. We see the ways we could expand further, you know, patch, add more content. On my part, in terms of graphical content regiments, definitely. Uh, the amount of troops and uniforms people will see at release is not even everything we have right now because we have stuff stored that needs editing and putting in, and we're going to be doing it post-release for a very long time, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good plan. It's good to see that you have a roadmap. I'm sure that will excite uh, a good amount of individuals who might get into it and see that the devs are going to be active and and involved in this game for the foreseeable future. 
But before we get into any more about the game itself, let's just kind of set the level for those who might not know anything about this game, right? What is Battle Cry of Freedom all about? Uh, Battle Cry of Freedom is a first and third person shooter set in the American Civil War, where you take a side of either the Union or Confederacy, mm-hmm. and you can fight on massive multiplayer battles up to 500 players in different game modes uh, like Siege. Uh, but we also have a commander battle game mode where you can control up to 800 bots and each commander. So you have, for instance, like five, six players on your team, and each commander controls, let's say, 100 bots. And this way you have a little bit of total war, but then first third person. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So that, uh, first off, my, my main question really is just, you know, you could have picked anything, right? Like I, I understand the setting for it of, of war makes sense because that goes hand in hand with, <laughs> you know, the, the ability of having these, these types of firearms, the battle, uh, the ability to have a 500 player versus match, which is an incredible thing, which we'll get to in a second. But why the American Civil War? Well, actually, it's, I think it's a bit of progression of what we did before. So we did the Napoleonic Wars, which is set in the 1800s, the early 1800s. Mm-hmm. And what is next from that? I think the American Civil War is like this interesting period in history. It's just before you know the, the first war with machine guns and all the modern weaponry. Right. And the black powder era was still a thing. You know, you had cap lock muskets. The first lever action rifle started to be. And okay, you had the Gatling gun coming into effect, which will also feature in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like a very interesting period in history because people still uh, lined up as regiments, stood face to face with the enemy. And it's a very progressive technology uh, that happened in the war when people realized, okay, we now have all these modern weapons. We can't just, you know, stand in lines. We have to hide. We have to use the environment. And it's it's a very nice research topic. And I think it's a very interesting topic also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want to ask, are any of you uh, like history buffs, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm staring at my wall right now with just a bunch of original muskets, Springfields, and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I was I was going to ask because one of the big things that that I've noticed is there seems to be an emphasis on historical accuracy when it comes to this game, whether it be the locations or you know the types of of weapons that are uh, implemented in this game. Right? What? How how accurate are you trying to be when it comes to this game of like representing what it really felt like? in this American Civil War? So on, on the website, on our store page, we have, we have a small paragraph about this. And basically what we're saying there is trying to be as accurate as possible, as long as it serves gameplay. So if, if we make a gun that's, let's say they had a gun, they didn't have one, but the gun that shoots perfectly accurate and can kill a thousand people with one shot, it's not fun in the game. So we would remove something like this. So, for example, in the game, we have a Gatling gun. Gatling gun sounds stupidly overpowered. It can shoot 100 billion shots a second, so to say. So Mm -hmm. we we would balance that out so that it's not uh, as strong as it would be in real life because you need a game to play. But when it comes to stuff like cosmetics, you know, uniforms, weapons, maps, then we try to be as accurate as possible because there's no reason not to. Right, we're doing a historical game, so we're supposed to be doing something historic. If we suddenly start doing fiction, I don't think that serves uh, serves a purpose. 
Right, right. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, like what we really try to do, as Nico said here, is basically look as accurate as possible, but then play as fun as possible. And as a person that mostly does uniforms and related issues, uh, there is really no purpose and no reason to not be historically accurate. You know, it doesn't affect gameplay anyhow in almost all circumstances, but if you are historically accurate, you're also teaching people that play the game. Now, some people that will come and play it are history buffs like ourselves are, and a mm -hmm. lot of current alpha testers, for instance, are. Like, a lot of research, a lot of research for this project was done by by volunteers, by reenactors that just liked the idea and joined our community and, you know, provided information for for us and you know some guys knew some other guys that were enactors or enthusiasts for that regiment and uh, they connect us to them and we find out information we need to know about like 14th brooklyn or other regiment and gotcha. uh, that's amazing well, yeah I, I think so too i'm super 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 grateful to all these guys i think our game would be impossible as it is without them but that's the minority right there's also right. the majority of people that will join that i probably heard something about civil war in school mm -hmm. uh, but they don't know much about it and if they face the period first in our game we want to make correct impression on them and how it actually was for sure, for sure. So I, I do enjoy the idea of making it look visually as accurate as possible, but being understanding that like some things won't be as fun. Like one of the things that, that comes into my mind is like the reloading of guns. Like, is it crazy uh, long as well in the game of having to, you know, reload those one shot type guns? Oh yeah, that's definitely something we wanted to get right gameplay wise. So our game is focused around having this one bullet in your rifle shoot mm -hmm. you have 19 seconds to reload that musket rifle musket sorry um, right right but you have also the option to do melee combat so we have a very deep melee combat system where you can take your bayonet or your sword or anything you can get your hands on even fists and you can combat the enemy in close combat gotcha so it it, it elevates the gameplay in the fact that combat is not as reliant on just you know like a call of duty of just like shoot them till they're dead but it's more of use the tools that you have to the best of your ability to survive which very much would feel like what you have to go through if you're on the field of battle oh yeah so it's it's very much a tactical shooter so you mm -hmm. have to think like what if i shoot now on this guy that's far away but his buddies are getting around the corner what should i do should i reload now or should i run away to my buddies and uh, there's a lot of team play involved with this type of game because we have specific classes like guys that can reload cannons and use them to attack the enemy. We have guys that are skirmishers that have rifles that have a bit faster reloads or uh, have lever actions. And, and these kind of choices you make as a player, you have to work together. If you just run at the enemy alone, you're going to get shot and that's the end. Right. So, Right. It's, it's all about finding your role in the battlefield and working together to defeat the enemy. Gotcha. I, I wanted to, to mention a point that you, you just said about uh, having different abilities when, you know, you're playing these characters. Are there uh, essentially like classes of like people who will have different abilities or, you know, be better at certain things throughout the battlefield that you're specifically picking? Or is it more just based on what you're doing at the time? 
No, yeah, you have to really decide. For instance, you can be an officer, then you get a revolver, which shoots faster, but it does less damage. Or you mm. can be a medic and you can decide to heal your buddies. Uh, or you go artillery and you can support your buddies with uh, cannons or, or uh, Gatling guns. Or you can be an engineer and you can build various construction items, for instance, make a trench or uh, put the fences up so your team have a better, uh, yeah, bunker. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on <laughs> at once. Yeah, we have, uh, we have a number of different classes basically in the game. So we have uh, different support classes, like the engineers, which build defenses, and uh, musicians, which uh, play music, which sounds really stupid, but it's actually really fun to play music while people shooting at you. And also it uh, provides a reload bonus to other players, which obviously okay. with these long reload times is actually vitally important. And gotcha. uh, yeah, there's stuff like sharpshooters, which just shoot more accurately or faster, depending on who you're playing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That was actually going to be one of my later questions is I saw the musician piece and I was like, I wonder if that's just a, you know, a nod at the fact that that was a thing and it's more like just a, a silly gag or if there was an actual buff they're getting. Right. When it, when it comes to like historical things like these, we always try to implement them and give them some kind of gameplay uh, behind it. Right. Right. Um, I, I did want to talk because uh, <laughs> you mentioned and I think one of the most interesting things about this game is that some of these maps, or, or I don't know if it's all of these maps, but seemingly some of these maps, there's options to have up to 500 players fighting simultaneously, which is, uh, you don't see it often because there's a lot of concerns and issues that might come through with this, especially from like a, a networking perspective. But uh, I just wanted to talk about like how how did that process go through your heads of like why you wanted something that was so large scaled when it comes to the gameplay? Is that more just to get that feel of you know what it would be like on on the battlefield? Was it just something to say like we need this? Like what was the 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 pushing factor to get something to this caliber? I think it's multitude. Like uh, the previous game, we had the limit of 200 players in one server, which is already more than most other games, right? Right, right. And uh, we saw that the community that liked our type of game, they liked to play something called a line battle. So what they did, you have a bunch of guys forming clans or regiments, as they're then calling themselves. And they would literally, with 40 guys or 50 guys, follow a leader, line up neatly under fire, and then shoot at the enemy in volleys. And this is a whole thing in the game. Yeah. And those players, the only thing they want is more people, a bigger battle, uh, everything bigger and more. So I guess we just somehow just set out to do that. And I mean, it it is getting into an epic battle. If you just stand there and it's a multiplayer game and buddies around you are talking and you're lining up and the enemy, you see like hundreds of them firing at you and somebody dies to the right of you and left of you you're reloading and you're hoping for the best right. i think this is something unique that you don't see in any other game like that yeah for sure how do you um how do you anticipate especially when playing something like this how comms will be or you know I, i'm sure some of it is just it needs to be hectic but like do you have a system where people can hear each other in the game or is it more up to like, you know, if they're in the Discord server or something to that nature? Because I I can't imagine how hectic it must be to try and get a team of, say, like, you know, 250 people uh, 
to to kind of rally together against another group of 250 people. I mean, it can get very chaotic. I think in this point, of course, we have an in-game voice system. Um, but I imagine a lot of people would maybe just mute it because, you know, if 100 people are screaming at each other. So. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's, it's a feature. It works. Um, what we see mostly, though, is that clans in groups of like 50 or 20 or 30, they get together in their own discords and they communicate in this way. But, uh, I mean, I've seen public events happen and people just random guys from the street getting together and working together. So there is this incentive in the game to work together. And I think it's going to work also with voice. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm pretty sure that on public servers, uh, random players that don't know each other aren't going to form, like, this nice dressed lines and advance at the pace, you know, exchange volleys. But I think there still will be very clear and strong incentive to like, oh, I see this group of like five guys, they are running together in that direction. So I'll follow them, I'll help them, you know, I'll play some music, I'll wave flags so that they get bonuses. Right. Because right. you know you're stronger when you're together and voice voice chat will definitely help them to cooperate at that point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is there gonna be any of type of in game uh not necessarily uh, locking someone into positions, but more or less like I'm thinking of something from Team Fortress 2 where you would, when picking a class, see how many people were in a certain class, right? You don't want your team of 50 to be like, I want to be the magician or musician and everyone picks it and then they're like, uh-oh, this is not going to go very well, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Like we have a troop selection uh, system where you can see exactly how many troops are in each uh, section, for instance, infantry or artillery and so on, and even in which company and in this way and which rank they have. So that is there. And we have also class limits. So of course, we don't want like everyone to go officer with a, with a revolver because that mm-hmm. would just be a bit stupid. So we have class limits in place that say like, okay, you can only have, let's say 10% of the team can be an officer or gotcha. as an example. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, I, I wanted to talk a bit about the kind of like the, the overarching like theme of this game, right? Because I, I think it's, it's interesting. You're playing against, uh, you know, these two different sides that make up the civil war. Um, but ultimately his, from a historical perspective, you know, one team does win right? Like one side wins. Is this more or less a, uh, you know, a just constant multiplayer theme or is there some kind of overarching story to this? Is there, you know, some kind of uh, a story mode in general? Like what does that look like? Or is this mainly your focus is this multiplayer aspect? So the, the multiplayer is the main game mode. So there's not really a single player aspect, but we okay. really plan for the future to have a sort of a campaign system. For instance, you have, let's say five, six maps. And mm-hmm. depending on how one team is doing, let's say they win mom, one map, you go to the other map that is, you know, like a front line, if you will, yeah, throughout yeah. The, the world. So there are plans for that. Uh, but right now it's just, you have uh, maps to choose from. Plus, we have an in-game map editor, so anybody can make maps quite easily. And from our testers, we have a few hundred testers. There's already like hundreds of maps being made. So when the game releases, you can literally just play anything you want to till like historic battles, till nice gameplay-focused city battles. Anything is possible with the map editor. Wow, that's awesome. 
And if you don't want to edit any maps, there is random map generator, uh, and it's it can be really really finely set with multiple options. You can even select how many trees you want, how many buildings you want, like what sort of terrain you want, this sort of stuff. So you can easily just in, in several minutes set it up and have every time completely unique terrain for yourselves. Ah, uh -huh. that's that's an interesting idea, especially for you know. Uh, depending on what happens, but a competitive scene to say like you can't really uh, uh, practice on a specific map, right? You have to just be well enough uh, knowledgeable on how to be a good team, whereas the environment might be different throughout the entire time. I uh, Speaking of the environment different, I remember seeing something to the nature of like um, environmental weather will change. What does that look like for this game? Uh, the weather and time of day system is completely dynamic, so a map could start in in bright skies and then end up in, in a storm. Uh, we have all kinds of different weather systems, so we have storm and we have lightning strikes and uh, sandstorms and uh, we have seasons as well. So you can even while playing on the map, an admin can go in and change the season from summer to winter or to spring. <laughs> That's and, interesting. Uh, the temperature will, for example, affect if it rains or if it snows. If temperature is too high, the snow will melt and will start raining and uh, vice versa. So there's yeah. a very uh, complex system there. And, you know, the time of day changes, obviously, which will also change a lot how the game plays. Because it's, you know, this is the 18th, sorry, the 19th century. And at night, you see nothing. Yeah. There's no artificial light, so you have to make your own, either by shooting a lot with your musket, which is not really possible because you're too slow, or uh, you know, lighting fires, lighting lanterns, this kind of stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, that changes the dynamic of the game so much. How often in, say, a match, um, because I can imagine this takes quite a while, depending on how many people you have on each side, how long do these generally take, and do you normally see a lot of you know change in between those uh, those type of env uh, environmental aspects within one match, right? Yeah, like it depends the game mode. So we have, for instance, uh, one live battle game mode where mm -hmm. you literally spawn. You have maybe 15, 16 minutes to kill all the other enemy players. But if you are dead, you have to wait that time. But there's mm -hmm. also other game modes. So there's game modes like Siege where uh, the round can take half hour, but you can respawn. So uh, there's conquest. The, the, it, it really depends on which game what you're playing. But if you're looking at this, this massive battles that people like to play in, in these clans, mm -hmm. you can think even of 20 minutes of, of like fighting, changing weather, like fog starts to appear and suddenly where is the enemy? All right, good luck yeah. finding them. And this is actually creating... Uh, an interesting aspect for those clans to have the good commanders that can hear, for instance, one shot and think like, okay, if we go behind that hill, we can outflank them. And I think that's really attract, uh, attracting a lot of players. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting way to change up the gameplay. Um, before we uh, move off of game modes, I did want to just touch upon that commander battles piece mm -hmm. because I think that's a unique... Um, aspect to this that seems kind of like tangential to the game in general. Can you just elaborate a little bit more about what you're doing in commander battles? So as a team, you spawn with, let's say, four or five buddies or officers. 
and then you each of you get like a, a little group of bots let's say like 50 or, or 60 bots that you have under your command you can make them follow you you can line them up somewhere uh, tell them to aim at the enemy or face behind them or charge with bayonet basically you're just your little slaves mm-hmm. and it it basically plays like a total war game so you tell them to follow you, you try to outflank the other line and maybe the enemy is using artillery to shoot at your position. So you have to hide behind the hill till maybe the enemy shows up. And it's it's very um, focused on you have to work together as a team because if one of your team members just charges the enemy, gets shot to pieces, that's the end. Then right. you have suddenly less bots on your, on your team. So it's all about teamwork for instance, one uh, commander lines up his bots and draws fire, whilst the other two are going to the flank of the enemy and then shoot them from there. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really cool. Uh, definitely sounds like there's a lot of modes in this. There's a lot of different things that are coming. One of the the most exciting pieces about this for those listening is that this is actually coming out v- very soon, depending on what time you're listening to this episode. Um, the game should be slated for March 1st. Um, which once again, we talked about, you know, you're, you're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel after eight, uh, possibly eight years of working on this. Uh, my main question around that though, is just, you know, what's, what's next. You talked a little bit about, you know, uh, ideas behind, uh, continually supporting this game. What are some of the ideas that you'd like to implement or some of the things that you think would be really cool to, to keep working on for this game post, uh, release? So the uh, the first most obvious thing we're going to add right after release, well, right after release means the first thing we're going to add after release is right, right. Uh, cavalry support. Because obviously the Civil War saw a lot of use of cavalry and horses, and we currently, sadly, don't have it in the game. So that's the first thing we'll be adding. And then we have plans to um, expand the game onto the naval uh, uh, combat as well. So we'll be adding yeah. ships and yeah. uh, marines and this kind of stuff. And after that, there's a lot of things we can still add, but we haven't really thought about any big expansions yet. But there's a lot of smaller stuff, like we'll be adding new weapons, we'll be adding new troops to play with, new regiments, new uniforms, and uh, yeah, this kind of stuff. New maps, obviously. That's awesome. Um, and and one of the things that you mentioned was already having people, you know, alpha testers and people who are creating some of those mods, right? Have you gotten any ideas or have there been any cool expansions, you know, especially coming from uh, the three of you, right? You started with that uh, idea of creating mods and creating awesome stuff and then branching off into anything uh, or something different in this case. Are there any ideas that you've gotten from the community that have already kind of sparked some of that interest of like, what do we do to keep progressing the game? Yeah, this is actually very interesting because as you know, we all come from mothers. So mm-hmm. we have, our heart is still in the ability to mod a game. So we're actually trying ourselves and helping the community to mod our game whilst it's not even released yet. And one of the results of that is that uh, modders created for us a bunch of World War I assets like uniforms and weapons. And we looked at each other and we're like, why don't we just make this a mod, help them a bit? And we spent like a weekend just in our own time. And we made some World War I mods to our own game as a fun (laughs) weekend project. Right. And if you actually go to Steam and uh, check one of the news items, you can see the results of that mod. And we're actually including that mod for free in the release of the game. Oh, that's awesome. 
Very cool. I, I love to see it. It makes sense that, especially since, you know, coming from your origins, that you would obviously want to be a part of uh, having mods in your game and helping out that community. So it's exciting to see. It's exciting to see that you have uh, these plans for continually supporting the game. And I think that anyone who who listened to this that is interested in this type of, you know, gameplay or this uh, this general theme of, you know, Civil War, I'm sure this is definitely going to be on their radar and something that they want to check out. But uh, my last question before we wrap this up is I always like asking this of everyone who comes on the show and it's some general advice. You know, the, the three of you, uh, as well as uh, the other member of the team have been working on this project for quite some time and had, you know, that experience beforehand of modding and getting your foot in the door really into this indie space, right? Um, I always like asking for general advice of, you know, what would you say to people who are out there that want to get into this space, whether it be, you know, becoming uh, more active in a mod community or whether it be working on their first game entirely? Um, if there's anything that you'd, uh, you know, you think could help others, what would you say? Um, that's a good question. I think in my opinion, uh, just start working on something like as a programmer, I would say just jump into Unity or, or Unreal and just make something very simple. Like you just have blocks running around shooting at each other. Make something fun and keep working on the fun and learning yourself to do more. Um, and in general, it is a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. Like making games, even for me, it's sometimes surprising how much time it takes to do sometimes the smallest things. But try to put your goals not too high. Like a lot of guys I talk to that want to get in game development tell me like, Maxim, you know, I, I want to make my own MMO. And then they start to work and they put their goals so high to make an MMO with like two, three guys. This is not going to happen. Just put your goals to something like, hey, we're going to make a small multiplayer first-person shooter or something with just assets I bought of the Unity store. Mm-hmm. And you can actually get that goal. You can make your own game and, and go on from there. So that would be my advice. Just keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Mm, yep. Uh, I think my advice would be, first of all, do take it step by step. Like Maxim said, do, do not try to reach very high highs at the very beginning. Just take it slow and take it easy, but be very patient with what you're doing. Because if you want to do a game and if you want to do a large su- successful mod, you need to spend a lot of time. So be ready for that. And second one, which is, I think, maybe more important, uh, always try to enhance yourself. Always try to get better at what you're doing. Like never, never stay at the same level you already reached, and just be happy with it. Like if you see it, what we've done over time, the quality of work of all of us have really changed and improved. I think, or at least I, I hope so. And that's what I think is correct. That's what I would like to suggest to other people to do as well. Yeah, makes sense. I was uh, I was going to say the exact same thing as Maxime, because <laughs> I I have some experience with some guys I'm I'm talking to and playing games with, and they're always like, "Hey, I want to join you doing this and the game and doing that," and they have no experience whatsoever. And always tell them, well, if you want to do that, then just start doing something. So they always complain that they know nothing. But you can't know something if you don't try and start learning. If you never start learning, you'll never get anywhere. So I'd say just, you know, do it. Just do something. Right. 
Yeah. The hardest step is always that first one. Yeah. Even if it's, even if it's not great, what you're producing in the beginning, it's still something you're producing and you'll learn from it. Yeah. Nobody makes masterpieces from the start. It's literally impossible. Right. Right. Exactly. If you look at our work for our first product, Wars, like the quality was sometimes like not great. And recently I actually had to like, maybe two years ago, I had to fix a bunch of cheats and bugs on our old game because I wanted to keep it alive. And I just looked in this code and I was just almost crying my tears out how bad this code was. <laughs> because then you realize like, okay, I actually made steps in my life, but the only way you're going to do that is by starting somewhere. Just, just, right. just make something. Even if you make a simple gun model that, that doesn't look great, you should be working on it, improve yourself and you will get there. Like I have plenty to learn still. I can probably talk to many game programmers that are on this on this chat and they will be knowing more than me. So there, there's a lot to learn always. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think it, it also goes to one of your points that you kind of touched on was, uh, keep working, take that slow pace, but, but actually get started. But at the same time, give yourself room to, to look back on the, the vast, change and the improvements that you made right having that chance to go back and look at that prior code and see like you know we are making strides right we are making big improvements in where we were before and where we are now and i think that can sometimes help people where if you're looking at the same thing every day you'll never really be able to see the change it's the it's the same concept of and this is way outside of the video games but if you're trying to lose weight and you're looking at yourself every day or you're weighing yourself every day it can sometimes feel like you're not making any improvements because it's so minimal throughout each day but if you look back at where you were a month back three months back whatever it might be you'll see a giant shift in where you were then versus where you are now um that being said, I think all of those are great uh, pieces of advice. I'm very glad that all of you were able to come on today. Um, for those listening, uh, Battle Cry of Freedom is currently in development, but they do have a demo that is releasing. So uh, by the time you're listening to this episode, go check out the game, see if this is for you, play it, test it out. Um, I, I highly recommend it. A demo is free, so you know, you're not losing anything. Uh, and also, it's in less than a month, March 1st, this game will officially be out. So make sure you know you play that demo, you wishlist it on Steam. Uh, once again, to all of you, thank you so much for joining today.